laws of the Beis Hamikdash. It's a fantastic sicha with a tremendous amount of innovation and lundus and uh, um, etc. A lot of siddhas at the end. I, I'm just going to give an overview just for those who want to who need a little help with the map. I noticed that there's a fantastic sicha by Rabbi Yossi Jacobson on the website, which I listen to, which really gives the, the soul of the sicha. So if you want to get the soul of the sicha, I recommend listening to him. And purpose for me today is just to, to make it easy to map it out for those who, who are having issues with the multiple details. So here is the Rambam that we're focused on. This is the first halakha, the fourth chapter of Hilchos Beis HaBchira, the laws of the Beis HaMikdash. Halakha 1. It speaks about the Aaron and the Holy of Holies. I, I cut and pasted, but basically this is the halach that the Aaron was placed on a stone in the base in the Holy of Holies, and the, the, the Mona Aaron staff were there before it, and then it continues that when Shlomo HaMelech built the temple, he was aware that it would eventually be destroyed, so he created chambers uh, way beneath the surface uh, to hide it. The Rambam's language in Hebrew, Matmonius Amukes Akalkalis, a deep maze-like vaults underneath. He prepared it in advance. And then Yeshua HaMelech commanded that the Aaron be placed in that chamber that Shlomo built. The language is Bayis Asher Bono Shlomo Ben David Melech Yisrael, that Yeshua HaMelech commanded that they should put the Aaron in that chamber, in that home, in that house which Shlomo HaMelech built. And he brings a verse that he said to the Levites, Levim Hamavinim, the Holy Israel, those who understand the, the holiness, etc. Tenu es Aaron Hakodesh, Babayis Hashabonah Shlomo Ben David Melech Yisrael. Put the holy ark in that house in the chamber built by Shlomo, the son of David Melech Yisrael, and with it was also included uh, the Aaron staff and the bile of manna and the anointing oils, and all these did not return in the bias Shani. And then the Rambam concludes the halacha that similarly the Urim Batumim, which existed in the Bayesheni, also had a form of concealment that it did not answer to the divine inspiration. Uh, they only made it to fulfill the requirement of the eight garments. The Urim Batumim, according to Rambam, is the actual breastplate with the stones because it has the names of the troll tribes of Israel and the letters which could provide potential for a response. However, in the Bayes Shani, in the Second Temple, it didn't have the Ruach HaKodesh, so it did not respond. So why was it there? Ha! It was there in order to be one of the eight garments. A Kohen, can, Kohen Gadol cannot serve without all eight garments intact. This is the Halakha. So the Rebbe has many questions, which we'll talk about. The first, the main question is, why is this all here? Rambam is not a book of history. Jewish history is very important, and there's a lot of places to find it. Rambam is a book of Halakha. Yes, not only halacha that's relevant today, halacha that was relevant in temple days, halacha that will be relevant to Mashiach comes, yes. But halacha, why do you have to know this whole thing? Why do you have to know this whole business that the Aaron was hidden and where it was hidden and how it was hidden and who hid it? Just right that the Aaron is placed in Kodesh HaKadosh. This question is asked by a couple of commentaries. Their answer is, well, Rambam famously 
maintains that the holiness, the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash, of this place of the Mikdash, remains even after the buildings are destroyed. Shechina, Lozazah Bimkoba, the divine presence does not leave its place. And therefore, from the time when the Beis HaMikdash was, was built there, it remains a holy place forever. This is brought in Gemara, and the Rambam is of the belief that this is a halachic thing, that the holiness remains. And the Rambam holds a very strong about this. The Rambam is to the extent that he holds that you can actually bring sacrifices there without a Beis HaMikdash if we knew the location and if we had the purity. Because it, it's it's legally, so to speak, still the Makam HaMikdash, the holiness remains. This is the Rambam's shita, as is well known, in other words, to those who know. And therefore, save these commentaries, particularly Yaakov Emden, the Yaibits, that that's why Rambam gives his whole Megillah, because he wants you to know that the Aaron is buried right there, which sort of substantiates his argument, the Rambam's approach, that the holiness is really there in a real sense. Says that ever, if you're trying to make that point, you need two words. You need two words, which are the two words that the Gemara says about this. Nignaz, bimakomo nignaz, three words. Aron bimakomo nignaz. This is the language of the Gemara, that the Aron was buried in its place, period, end of story. So you know what you need to know, that it's holy, that the place remains holy. Why does Homer give it? Aside from the fact that this is not so clear-cut, there are three different opinions in the Gemara what happened with the Aron whether it was buried in its own place, whether it was buried elsewhere in the Beis Hamikdash, whether actually it ended up going to Babel, to Babylonia. Also, there are different narratives, whether it was buried by the people, as Rambam maintains, based on the verses about Yeshua HaMelech, or that it buried itself miraculously at the time of the Churban, when the Babylonians are attacking, the Aaron sort of hid itself to protect itself. That would be totally different than the opinion that Rambam is accepting, that Yoshio HaMelech buried it. This is decades before the Chur. There are opinions in the Talmud that say that it wasn't buried by Yoshio HaMelech. And that this verse that Rambam is quoting was not about hiding it underneath, but actually putting it back into the temple. Apparently it was removed for some reason, temporarily. So this is, there are many opinions, there are three opinions and of where it is, and then various opinions of how it got there. Some say it was buried, and then by the later on, the Babylonians exiled was taken. <laughs> this is a big story. And it's not, and no one, and there hasn't been a conclusion to that three-way plus argument. And it's not so relevant because it's past history. So why would the Rambam come in a book of Alakha and give his conclusive opinion? Let me tell you what happened. This is what happened. Why? Why is that his role? This is not a halakhic debate, this is a historic debate. Mashiach will tell us what happened. No, Rambam takes a position. It's strange that he's doing that. And if he wants to say that it has to be buried there in order for the temple to be holy, first of all, the temple does not need the Aaron to be buried there to be holy. The Shekhinah gives it its holiness. And even if you want to say that it does, again, it could have been two words, three words. The Aaron was buried in its place as the languages in the Gemara. Why do you have to decide that who did it and where it was done in the temple? Here you're already taking opinion and you're giving us a whole story. Again, in a safer that's all about halakha. 
In fact, not only that this whole, and we'll soon look at the details, the parts that I bolded, which is bothers the Rebbe more so, but still in the main central question of why Rambam is giving us his whole story and why he's taking a position, such a strong position on this. And even according to the Yaibits that he wants to make the point that it's still a holy place, he's not making that point. He's actually missing the main point. If you would say the three words, the Aron is buried in its place, he made the point that it remains holy. Instead, he says it is some kind of deep like maze vault. How do you know it's underneath? Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's not exactly... He's not making the point. He's making everything but the point. I and mean, let's look at some of the details. I mean, the Rebbe lists this over a few pages in a number of questions. I don't touch every question, but just for the sake of simplicity and clarity, uh, some of the questions that bother the Rebbe are the things that are bolded. Let's say Ramam decides he wants to tell us that it was buried there. So I need to know that this was done by Shlomo HaMelech originally when he broke Beis HaMikdash. Do I need to know the detail of deep maze-like vaults? Do I need to know that the Yeshua HaMelech is the one who commanded it to be put in? And again, Rambam has to like stick it to us and re-emphasize. And where did he put it? In the Bayis Asher Bona Shlomo. If Allah requires that one detail that is buried underneath, buried. No, the bias of Shabbana Shlomo. And to bring a verse that he said it to the Levites. Put the holy ark in the house that Shlomo built. And now he gives his whole yichas. You know who he is, Shlomo? He's the son of David, Melech Israel. <laughs> totally superfluous, beside the point, even distracting to the point. And then, to add to that, the fact that when it was entombed, Aaron's staff and the bottle of mana are there. Why is that there? Again, we're learning the laws of Beis HaBechir. We're not learning the history of Bayez Shani. The laws of the Beis HaMikdash are that there's a holy of holies and it requires a place for an Aaron. And like it says in the top line, it, together with the Aaron, there was also the, the, the vial of Bunner and Aaron's staff. Got it. That's all I need to know. And maybe three more words that the Aaron was buried in its place later for Bayez Shani. This whole thing that together with it was Aaron's staff. And then the kicker is the last thing. The Ramam goes into a whole thing and you know what else? Happened in the second temple. They were in the tomb and didn't work. But they were still there just in case, and just on some level. <laughs> this is completely out of place. The Urim Batum is not part of the base Hamikdash. It's part of the clay Hamikdash. It's part of the garments. And there's a whole separate section of Allah which follows this, which is called Hilchas Klei Hamikdash both the laws of the vessels and those who work there, which includes the garments. And it's somewhere deep in there, somewhere five, five or six or what have you where he lists all the garments of the Kohen Gadol, and he speaks about the Urim Batum, and it says the Urim Batum would answer miraculously, prophetically, and it says that in Bayesheni, it didn't, didn't it work. It's all there. Just as much detail as here, but a little more even. It didn't work, but they still kept it because you have to have the eight garments. So why does it have to cut and paste it here? This is the laws of the Beis Amigdash. It's not the laws of the clay of the vessels of the Kohen Gadol, the, the, the garments. The whole thing is completely strange. And for the Rambam, who's so organized, so systemized, so systematic, and, and, and so many things are derived from the Rambam's order and organization, this halakha begs for clarification. And the Rebbe provides it, as he always does. Let's scroll down. 
So the Rebbe so, says, I'm going to answer this whole Rambam by, uh, by explaining something else. In this section that we're learning Beis HaBechira, the, the first parak is the overview of the Beis HaMikdash and the Kalim, the vessels. An overview in one chapter. It lists all the areas of the Beis HaMikdash and all the vessels. Chapter 2 and 3, now he goes into the details of the vessels. Chapter 2 speaks about the Mizbeach and the Kevets. Chapter 3, the Benorah, the Shulchan, and the, the incense altar, and the wash basin, the Kiyar. Chapter 4 is the details of the buildings. You see the organization of the Rambam? In one chapter, he gives you the, organ the, the, the whole headline, building and vessels. In one chapter, just basically listing them. Then 2 and 3 goes into the vessels. And chapter 4, he goes into the buildings. The Kodesh, Kodesh HaKadoshim, Ulam, Heichal, Azar, etc. Oops. Chapter 4, Halacha 1, which is the one we just learned. The Aaron is there. What's the Aaron doing here? Not only the Aaron shouldn't be here, the Aaron should be in chapter 2 or 3. It's one of the vessels of the Mesa Mikdash. You ask any child in Yeshiva, give me a list of the vessels of the Mesa Mikdash. The Aaron, the Shulchan, the Nora, the Vindabayah, the Kir. The Rambam seems to think of the Aaron that it's part of the building. So the Rebbe is exactly what the Rambam says. The vessels, they are the furniture. The Aaron is not furniture, even though it's movable. It's, 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 it's base hamikdash. Its definition is base hamikdash. One could argue that, it, and why so? First of all, it's the main point of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is the house where the Shekhinah rests. Yes, it has many vessels, and there are a lot of different services you have to do. The menorah, and the bread, the karbanas, and the incense, and they're all good. But what is the essence of the Beis HaMikdash? At the end of the day, the house of Hashem. That's the Aaron. That's where Hashem rests. So the Aaron is not a vessel of the Beis HaMikdash. The Aaron is part of the Beis HaMikdash. The movable part, so what? It's gathered, its definition is mikdash. It's clear from the Rambam. This is a tremendous innovation. But the Rebbe proves it airtight because of what you're seeing in front of you on the screen. The example could be Lahavdal, Elif Abdul. You're buying a house. Does it come with the furniture or not? I don't know. You make a deal, right? Sometimes you buy the house and you buy with the furniture. You're going to get the living room, the dining room, and you're going to get. The bedrooms, you get everything. Sometimes, no, no, the house is the house, and we're going to take out all the furniture. What about the boiler room? What about the kitchen stove? I don't know. The boiler room? The electrical panels? Do you have to stipulate that they're staying in the house? Then, of course, they're part of the house. I hate to use an example like that, but I'm just giving an example that sometimes something can be a movable thing. It's not literally part of the walls, and it is house. It's obvious that it's house. Anyway, back to here, that's what the Rebbe proves from this. And the Rebbe, in the footnotes, takes it further. Take a look at this. In the footnotes, the Rebbe says, or in the actual that if you're not yet convinced from what you just saw, that the Rambam clearly holds the Aaron is not one of the vessels, but rather it's part of the Mishkan, part of the Beit Samikdash itself. Take a look in chapter one. Remember, chapter one gave the overview of the building and the vessels in one parak. Gave all the like a list. Well, look there, and you'll see 
that when it speaks about, and this is chapter one, halacha five, the components of the building, it lists the Holy of Holies and the Holy and the Ulam. In, in chapter one, verse halacha six, it lists the vessels. It doesn't list the ark. It doesn't list the ark. So why, why isn't the Aaron mentioned? And the answer is because it's part of the Holy of Holies. It's part of the Holy of Holies. Which is extraordinary. So now this is literally airtight. Um, yes. This is airtight. The Aaron is not a vessel. It's part of the base of In the footnote, the Rebbe says something. What I just told you is in the is in the actual six. But in the footnote, the Rebbe adds that if you look at Sefer HaMitzvos, it mirrors this. Then in Sefer HaMitzvos, Rambam uh, says in uh, Mitzvah number 20, right? That what? The, the Mitzvah building the base of And then it tells you the list of the vessels and the Aaron is not part of them. So whichever way you look at it, the Rambam is pretty clear about it. The Aaron is not one of the vessels. It's part of the building. All right, I got it. And it makes sense. It makes sense because that's the Shekhinah's meeting. That's that's the house. Parenthetically, maybe also it's not used for anything. It's not a utility. Everything else, they did a certain avoda. They did a certain service in the temple. They didn't do a service with the Aaron. You know, on Yom Kippur, they sprinkled something in its direction or what have you. But it wasn't something that was used or something. It was something that produced a result. Okay. So now that we have that, why is that important? I mean, it's interesting. But how does that come connected to our Rambam? The Rebbe says, if that's the case, we got a big problem. Because we know the Bishamigdar stood not only the Bayes Rishon for 410 years, but Bayes Shani for 420 years. And there was no Aaron, the whole Bayes Shani. If the Aaron is a vessel, no, Hashem decides there shouldn't be an Aaron in Bayes Shani. There were a few things that were missing in Bayes Shani. That's life. Life still goes on. You still have a Bishamigdar to speak of. But if the Aaron is part and parcel of the Bishamigdar, could you have a Bishamigdar without the Kodesh HaKadoshim? The Aaron is part of the Kodesh HaKadosh. You're missing one wall. You're not just one wall. You're missing a, a, an essential part. The second base of English is not complete. And in an essential way, the Aaron is, let's call it, the battery pack of the base of Migdash. It's the power source of the base of Migdash, And it's not there, Pastor Shul, for the second base of English for 420 years. This is a big problem. It's a halachic problem, if you will. It's not a historic problem. In the, if you're learning laws of Beis Abachiri, you got to tell me that there's the Beis Amigdash, there's the Heichal, the Ulam, the Azara, the Kodesh, Kodesh HaKadashim. And part of the Kodesh HaKadashim, part of its definition is the Yara. And then you have a whole Beis Amigdash of 420 years. Oops, there's no Kodesh HaKadashim. There's like a... This is the problem. For this reason, says the Rebbe, the Rambam wrote the halacha that we learned together before. For this reason, the Rambam wrote this whole story. You see, the Aaron was hidden. Most opinions hold that it was hidden. Got it. But there's two ways to look at it. It's hiddenness. One is that it was hidden because the Goyim were coming and the Aaron is such a precious thing and it was made by Meshur Abedu and it's irreplaceable. So therefore, Hashem miraculously made 
or, 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 or commanded the people that it should be hidden and protected. This is not something that we can allow to be taken and we have to be careful and or miraculously, it's going to be hidden for the safeguarding of the arrow. Why? Because one day we'll need it. Mashiach comes by Sashlishi, what have you, and there won't be danger. We'll be able to take it back out because the Aaron can never be lost. That's one way to look at the hiddenness of the Aaron. That's not a halachic thing, though. That's a history thing. The other way, says the Rebbe, the innovative way that the Rebbe wants to say the Ramam looks at the Aaron's being hidden, not for the Aaron's protection because we're about to lose it. The enemy is coming and we don't want to lose this precious thing. We better hide it. No. We bury the Aaron because the Beis Hamikdash needs to remain intact. And therefore, to begin with, as plan A of the Beis Hamikdash, it was also a plan B for the Beis Hamikdash to have a spot for the Aaron to stand when it can't be above ground. And that's a bona fide Kodesh HaKadoshim. We're underneath. The Aaron was hidden by a shame. Yes. Says the Rambam, but it wasn't hidden just to protect it, and it wasn't hidden miraculously because the enemy's coming. It was hidden, it was a premeditated thing, and it was a plan to begin with. And the base was built. The base Amigush was built by Shlomo Amalek. And what did he do? He built the Kodesh HaKadashim above ground, and he also built the plan B, Kodesh HaKadashim below ground. Not just a hiding spot. If it's just a hiding spot, you don't need Shlomo Amalek to build it, and it doesn't have to be part of Hashem's instructions to him to make a place for it underground. It's common sense. When the time comes, we'll make a place. Or we'll hide it. Or we'll run away with it. Or we'll bury it somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. It's a practical thing. You figure it out. No, this is part of the building of the base. I mean, this is Shlomo HaMelech. Did we know everything he did? He did by instruction from Hashem. He built a Kodesh HaKadoshim above ground. He built a plan B below ground when time, when need be. That's where it will go. And what was accomplished now? Now you have the Aaron. You have the battery pack of the base Amigdash. Even when it cannot stand above ground, it's intact, it's it's there, and the base of Migdash is fully functional. It's not missing one of its components, arguably its main component, the Kodesh HaKadoshim and what it represents, the Shekhinah. It's there. It's just you can't see it because it's below ground. But it's another alternate Kodesh HaKadoshim as per the plan. To make this point, Ramam has to tell you this whole Megillah. But this is a big Chiddush. This is a big innovation. That our own is buried underground and no one knows where it is. And this is where it belongs. It's a bona fide location, alternate location of Kodesh HaKadoshim. You're telling me that there's a base of English above and a base of English below? That's very creative and it's wonderful, but it's innovative. You really have to prove that point. And it's a halachic point, not a historic point. It's a halachic point that the base of English and Bayashani was still a bona fide base of English with all of its glory. Including the Aaron, because as I said before, the Aaron is part of the base of Migdash, integral part. And the only way that works is if you have an alternate Kodesh HaKadoshim as part of the actual building. You have to prove this. This is a very, very innovative thing. Says the Rebbe, that's what Rambam does in this whole long Megillah. He tells you that the Aaron was in the Kodesh HaKadosh. And then he tells you that Shlomo HaMelech built it originally. He knew it would be destroyed. He was told by Hashem. And therefore, he then created an alternate spot deep down, which means that spot was Niskadesh, the same way he built the Kodesh HaKadosh from above ground with intention of making it holy, because that's the principle when you build a, a vessel or a place, you have to do it with intention. This below ground Kodesh HaKadoshim was built with intention and with plan, and it was Niskadesh. You can't make something holy 
without focus. Shlomelech did it on purpose and by instruction of Hashem and with knowledge of what's of what it's about. It's Plan B, Kadosh Hakadosh. And to further prove that this was this was a bona fide Plan B, not just a running away from the enemy. Rambam embraces the opinion that that Yeshua Melech is the one who put it there. Why is that special? Because this happened decades before the Churban. Obviously, he felt the winds of the Churban coming, the destruction, but he was still king. At his time, the Jews were in a good place, in a good space, and he was a mighty king. It's not like the Babylonians were knocking at the door. And he commanded to put it there. That means it's a lechatchila thing. It's a, it's a bona fide thing. Plus, it's written in a way that mirrors the original thing. When you read the story of Shlomo HaMelech bringing the Aaron in, and it says over there also, Shlomo HaMelech commanded to bring it into the house of Hashem. So the, this verse mirrors that verse. Shlomo HaMelech, Shiyahu HaMelech, commanded the Kornim and the Levites to put it in the house that was built for Hashem. Yeshua Abelach commanded the Levim, those who know the long verse, Hamavim, those who know the holiness, to bring it into the ark and to bring it into the house which was built. Which house? The house that was built by Shlomo Melech, Shlomo ben David Melech Israel. And it doesn't say that he commanded them to remove it. He said to put it. If this is about removal and putting it into hiding, it should have said, Sliku, take it away. Put it away someplace. Put it away in a hidden place. No, Tanu doesn't say to take away, it's just to put. This is, a, this mirrors the, 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 the command of Shlomo HaMalek in his time that they should put it in the plan A, Kodesh HaKadoshim, to put it in the plan B, Kodesh HaKadosh. So this is, this is a, a bona fide Kodesh HaKadoshim, put it into the Kodesh HaKadoshim and reiterating who built it. The same one that built the other Kodesh HaKadoshim, the above ground version, with his whole yichas. Obviously, there's some, there's a lot of wording here because he's trying to make a very strong point. Rebbein argues that the, that the footnote, this is possibly why also Aaron's staff and the vial of money are mentioned here. They mentioned at the beginning in line one because it's telling you what was in the Holy of Holies. Okay. But he repeats it here because this brings out that that place below is a bona fide alternate plan B, Kodesh HaKadoshim. If it's just a place to hide the urn, why do you have to hide these there in the same place? Hide them elsewhere. It's safer maybe to hide things in different places. But if this is a this is the alternate Kodesh HaKadoshim, that's where the Aaron's staff and uh, the Tzitzenes Haman belong. In, in Bayez Shani, that is the Kodesh HaKadosh. It's extraordinary. And then there, with this, the Rebbe explains the last line here. With the Urim Betum, which again, this seems completely out of place. This is not even part of the vessel. This is part of the Big Day Kohuda, of the garments of the Kohen. And this whole statement that the Ramam teaches here is repeated again in its place in a few, a little later. As we ask in the questions, says the Rebbe that the Rebbe that the Rambam brings out Urim Betumim and, and he's saying because the Urim Betumim story mirrors the story of the Aaron, namely that in Bayashani it exists, albeit with lesser glory, just like the Aaron existed in Bayashani and it existed in the Beis Hamikdash. Because if not, 
the Bishamidish is missing the, let's call it the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And that's impossible. But you can't see it. So it's there, but it's not Begoli. You can't see it. But it's there. It's functional. It's not hidden away somewhere for its own safety. It's it's replaced into the Plan B, Bishamidish, the underground palace. What's another example of that? The Urim Batuman. That in Vaisheni, you didn't have the revelation of it, but it was still there. So the Rambam brings something, so to speak, unrelated, but it's but it, it has the same story, and therefore it mirrors. Just fantastic how everything fits into place. I'm not covering every detail, but I'm covering many of them. Based on this, the Rebbe says tremendous takeaways. The Rebbe says. Again, I mentioned the Shir Rabbi Yossi Jacobson, which is on the site. He does justice to these, to the whole Sikha, but including to this section. It's worth watching. It's worth seeing. If you, uh, if you, the Sikha talks to you, his Shir will really bring it home. But just briefly, that um, the Rebbe says what we gain from this is a tremendous amount of things from this whole discussion. First of all, the first two things. This should be separated because this is like a different ballgame. Um, the Rebbe says, remember how we started the Sikhets, known that the Shekhinah never left the holy place of the Beis Hamikdash. That's the Rambam's opinion, and it's brought in Gemara too. But that's not, here the Rambam is bringing another point. Not only the Makam Hamikdash always retains its holiness, the place, the actual building still has an element of eternity. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. The Makamah Mikdash, this is also a Chiddush. It's also something big that the Ramah maintains. And that's why the Ramah says, as I said before, that you could bring Karbonis technically if, it, if, the, if the circumstances allow it. And if you know the Makamah Mizbeach, etc. Because the Makamah Mikdash, the place remains, the Shechina never left. Got it. Which is why you're not allowed to walk up under the Harabayas today because the place is just as holy. Comes along the Rambam, according to the Rebbe's approach, and says, the Beis Mikdash is still standing in a certain way. Because the underneath palace is there. Imagine you have a king and he has a palace and he has a mirror palace underneath. At least the main part of it. The palace above destroys it. The palace underneath, the kingdom still stands. This is a tremendous innovation, says the Rebbe. This is a huge quantum leap above and beyond the well-known thing that the Shekhinah remains in the place of the Migdash. The building remains. How much does the Rebbe love this? In a way, the Bishamikdash was never destroyed. And based on that, says the Rebbe, all three Bishamikdashes are one continuum. It's not shot that we built one and then it's destroyed. And then another one is destroyed. And then there will be a third one. There's one Bishamikdash. It was just a renovation because it was never discontinued. It was always continued underneath in that hidden chamber, the hidden Bishamikdash, at least again in some level. The Kodesh HaKadoshim, the main aspect of the Beis HaMikdash, which is the Yaron, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Shekhinah, it continued to be, it had a place, it had a bonafide place built by Shlomo HaMelech. Beis HaMikdash, Shlomo HaMelech Yisrael, Shlomo Ben David Melech Yisrael, that Beis HaMikdash still stands. And the second Beis HaMikdash, it was renovated and brought back to the fore. The third Beis HaMikdash, it will be done yet again, permanently. And the Rebbe gives the example of the Luzbon, that a resurrection, it's not shot that the person is going to be recreated totally new. The person is recreated. 
The whole idea is that it's a continuation of the previous person because the loose bone, which is this tiny little thing, was never really disappeared and it just brought back. And what's the beauty of that? In other words, the continuity, the somewhat the sense of eternity that he has. And that and the Rebbe says that mirrors the Besamigdash. It's like the loose bone is the essence of the person. The uh, the, the Aaron is the essence of the Besamigdash. Especially according to the Rebbe's innovation here in the Rambam, that the Aaron is Besamigdash. It's not a vessel. This is another huge point. And then adds here a couple more things. That we see that the destruction was planned and made possible by Shlomo Amalek himself. It's almost like in the Beis Amigdash, when he built it, he built in the eventuality, so to speak, of its its possibility. And the Rebbe says, why is this interesting? Well, two reasons. First of all, no one can control the Beis Amigdash. No one can control a Yid. This is a well-known Tater concept that a Yid cannot be controlled by anybody, no Goyim, not even in heaven. Not even Bezen Shomai, the famous teaching at Rebbe Shem that when a Yid comes above, the person themselves has to pask in the halacha on themselves, and it's based on Pirkayavos, where it says, This is the first halacha, the first statement, the Mishnah in Pirkayavos, the third chapter from Akavi Ben before whom will you give a din v'cheshven, a judgment and an accounting? And the Baal Shem Tev asks, it should be reversed, it should be an accounting and a judgment, because that's what happens. First you give an account, then you get judged. Why does it say a judgment and accounting? And it's explained by the Baal Shem Tev that when Yid comes above, he is asked to pass judgment about a hypothetical third party. And he gives judgment. Because people tend to be strict when it comes to other people. And after he gives judgment on that third party, then they they do a cheshman. They say, hey, but that's you. And, and this is the Baal Shem Tev's teaching. The Rebbe explains elsewhere in the Kutasikh, it's noted in the footnote here, that what's the purpose of that whole exercise? Why do you have to come Lamaila in the Bezan Shomaila? The heavenly court has to say to you, what well, would you judge a hypothetical so-and-so if they did the same thing? And then you paskin that they should get punished. And then it's done to you because you did it. Why doesn't the court, the heavenly court, just meet out the justice? And the answer is because says the Rebbe in that Sikh in great detail that it, nothing can control the Yid. A Yid is a piece of all the courts. And even the Bezan Shomaila can't decide, oh, the guy's bad, let's punish him. The only one that can allow it is him himself. Just like a good psychologist will tell you, the only person that can hurt you is you yourself. Nobody really can hurt you unless you allow it. But certainly a Yid cannot be judged or hurt by a Goy, who doesn't show my it's impossible. This is a principle that Rebbe is very big on because a Yid is a, a lukus. A Yid allows it, something else. So the Rebbe says here too, the Beis had to have the possibility of destruction because of the Chuba. And this is going to be the second point here. And therefore, in order for that to happen, Shlomo HaMelech, the original builder, knew about it and built in, so to speak, the potential for destruction. He gave it a nod, and that's how it was able to happen. And why did he do it? He said that because the purpose of destruction is for a greater construction. Shlomo HaMelech, so to speak, as he's building the base on English, tremendous simcha. Right, the Yidin didn't he didn't fast on that Yom Kippur. They celebrated the tremendous Simcha. Shlomo HaMelech, the main builder, the king of Yidin, to start the time, he part at that moment was also thinking ahead that there's going to be a Churban, and he laid the groundwork for it. Why? 
because the Khurban is a very important part. Because ultimately, Shlomo HaMalach knows that the only Besamigdash that will really stand forever is not Binyana de Barnash, a building built by man, but Binyana de Kutubricho, a building built by Hashem, which is going to be the rebuilding, the ultimate Besamigdash. And that's what he's really aiming for. That's what he's beginning the process of. As I said before, all three are one. All three Beis Hamidrashes are one. So he's sort of laying the groundwork, and then it's going to be re remodeled, so to speak, and then ultimately remodeled by Binyan of the Kuchabricha by Hashem. Aha! That's what Shlomo HaMalach is thinking. Then that's what he's open for. The eternal Beis Hamidrash and the eternal Geul, etc., etc. And therefore, he's laying the groundwork then, so to speak, of destruction, because destruction is the possibility for the ultimate construction in the hand of Hashem. The Rebbe finishes the Sikh and then sort of translates this in Abayda, that uh, this is the concept of Tshuva. We know what is the power of Tshuva. Why did Hashem make Tshuva? Hashem uh, made the possibility of sin, etc., etc., because when a person serves Hashem without the, the negativity, he he's going on his own strength. When he falls, and he loses his footing, and loses his way, and then he has to rebuild, he has to dig down, he has to find... The power of Tshuva comes from the Neshama, it comes from Hashem, really. Lahav, they say in 12 step, the only way for the person who hit rock bottom to change is to give up control, and, and there's a higher power. So what is the vert of Tshuva? I cannot do it. I'm done. I'm weak. LMI, however, there's a God, and a part of him is in me, my neshama, and he will give me the strength. Now I'm going to touch a place which is indestructible. That's why the Baal is much greater than the Tzaddik, etc. And the whole thing is worth it. And the whole Luchas Shni is right, which was coming from a tremendous fall, is much greater than Luchas Rishain is because they came through Tshuva. Because what it represents, and you see it again in 12 step on a psychological level, that when the person, before a person makes a big mistake and has a major fall in life, they're going on their own strength. Look at me, I'm a Gavaldic, I'm successful, I'm whatever. When they fall in any way, in a big way, and the only way to pick themselves back up is to find the neshama, to find the higher power in the 12-step lingo, in the language of the Sikha, to find the Eibishter, Shuvah, Tosh of K, to find the Eibishter, to find the Lukus. Now they're indestructible because Hashem is indestructible. And they have... Uh, they have surrendered to it. They have connected to it. They have identified it. And they're a whole different person. Now they're untouchable, but it's not an ego thing. It's a humble thing. It's a humbling thing. It's an essential thing. And that's really why Chuba is so awesome. And that says that Rebbe is, is, is a, this destruction of Esamikdash, which mirrors the destruction of Jewish history, and the Chuba thereby, which will bring us to the Binyana de Kuchabrihu. It mirrors this in the person's place. In his own journey, he has his own binyana, his binyana de banash, his human accomplishments. And then he has, when he falls hard, and he turns it around for tshuva, that's binyana de kuchabricho. That's Hashem's accomplishment through him because he's become a vessel for it because he's humbled himself. That's what a bal tshuva is. He's humble. And he finds the power of Hashem, which is indestructible within him. Says the Rebbe, this is extraordinary. Look at the language of Rambam. When he describes it, Matmaini is amukes al kalkalis. These are vaults which are deep and they're maze like. They're crooked, they're windy. It, it, it represents chuva. Chuva, it brings in, it's a vault, it's a treasure place. And it's very deep down. He quotes the Tanakh, amuk, amuk, miyim, it's a verse in Kahelis, that this is, a, this is tremendous depth which is impossible to find. And how do you find it? And it's only through chuva, al kalkalis. 
through a maze-like thing when a person goes through life. And not like the normal thing which the Nabi says, that God made us straightforward. Potentially you can live a life without any failings. Straightforward. Yeah, but then you're not going to reach the vault. What happens to most people, most 99.99% is that they have alcoholics, they go in crooked ways and they self-destruct and everything else and all the stupid things that we do to ourselves. And then we turn around and in through the alcoholics, we find the matmanias amukis, the tremendous power. Now we're talking. Now you have a building on the kuchabrikl. The person is walking on the power of Hashem that he's discovered. And it's a whole different thing. And this is our mirror in Aveda and our Hachana, which will be revealed in the eternal binion of the base of Migdash. Now, Mamish. <laughs>